we're going to get into Habakkuk uh, chapter 2. And um, if you've been here, by now you will know the structure of Habakkuk. It is one of the simplest structures in the Bible. Simple book to remember how it goes. It go, Habakkuk asks a question. It's question, answer, question, answer. And that is how Habakkuk works. And uh, Habakkuk has got these big questions. It's a very honest book. It's very real about the suffering that we see in the world. It's very, very real. It's raw. Habakkuk is saying, how long, Lord? How long are you going to put up with this injustice and this evil that I see around me? God says, don't worry, Habakkuk. I'm going to do something. I'm going to send the Babylonians. And Habakkuk goes, no, not them. (laughs) And then he waits to hear God's answer. And last week we were thinking about the importance of learning to wait. To wait for God. To wait upon what God will say. But now we're going to listen to what God says. And uh, I'm going to read from verse 2 uh, through to the end of the chapter. Here is, this is question, answer, question, answer. Here's the Lord's second answer. Then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. But the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. This is what we saw last week. It will certainly come and will not delay. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright. But the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. Indeed, wine betrays him. He's arrogant and never at rest. Because he is as greedy as the grave and like death is never satisfied. He gathers to himself all the nations and takes captive all the peoples. Will not all of them taunt him with ridicule and scorn, saying, Woe to him who piles up stolen goods and makes himself wealthy by extortion. How long must this go on? Will not your creditors suddenly arise? Will they not wake up and make you tremble? Then you will become their prey. Because you have plundered many nations, the people who are left will plunder you. For you have shed human blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Woe to him who built his house by unjust gain, setting his nest on high to escape the clutches of ruin. You have plotted the ruin of many peoples, shaming your own house and forfeiting your life. The stones of the wall will cry out and the beams of the woodwork will echo it. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and establishes a town by injustice. Has not the Lord Almighty determined that the people's labor is only fuel for the fire, that the nations exhaust themselves for nothing? For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbors, pouring it from the wineskin till they are drunk so he can gaze on their naked bodies. You will be filled with shame instead of glory. Now it is your turn. Drink and let your nakedness be exposed. The cup from the Lord's right hand is coming around to you, and disgrace will cover your glory. The violence you have done to Lebanon will overwhelm you, and your destruction of animals will terrify you. For you have shed human blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Of what value is an idol carved by a craftsman or an image that teaches lies? For the one who makes it trusts in his own creation. He makes idols that cannot speak. Woe to him who says to wood, come to life, 
or to a lifeless stone? Wake up. Can it give guidance? It's covered with gold and silver. There is no breath in it. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Let me start by saying something that I think is probably quite shocking and controversial, and then I'll try and justify it. The hope for this world, the hope for this world is the fall of Babylon. So what I want to try and show you, that may sound completely, it may not sound shocking, that may just sound completely weird. You may be like, what is he talking about? So I want to try and show you today, the hope for this world is the fall of Babylon. That is what Habakkuk needed to see, to, to see from God. This is ha- God's message to Habakkuk. And we're going to see God set out a vision of the future which is spellbinding in its beauty. But it integral to it is the fall of Babylon. This week, uh, I'm assuming that the politicians will set out their manifestos, their agendas, their vision of Britain for the coming few years. I wonder if you're excited. Are you excited? It's a shame, isn't it, the Labour one got leaked because it's kind of spoiled the fun. You know, all the fun. I was so excited. Looking forward to Thursday. What's their vision going to be? <laughs> no? Okay. Uh, <laughs> I wonder what your vision is for the future. What's your vision? What's your vision for the future of this world? Again, forget Britain. Forget just a few years. What's your vision for the future of everything? Do you have a, do you have a sense of what... What vision there is for the future? Where do you think things are heading? You see, where you think things are heading makes a big difference to how you live your life now. Stephen Hawkins this week, did you see this? Stephen Hawkins uh, says that humanity has 100 years left on earth before earth becomes uninhabitable and we need to colonize another planet. Now, up until last week, his prediction was 1,000 years. We've lost 900 years, right? Stephen Hawkins has told us you've got about 100 years left. I mean, as far as I can see, the future for our planet is this. Either a massive fireball or we all freeze or a plague kind of wipes everything out. Or an asteroid smashes into us and blasts to to smithereens. Which is, I mean, which is your favourite? Which one floats your boat? Can I tell you, God sets out in this chapter the most beautiful vision. Listen to this. Look at verse 14 again. I want to start here and then I'm going to show you why Babylon has to fall first. Here's the great vision. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. No fireball, no meteor, no plague, but glory. Okay, let's just focus on that verse. We've got to get that verse clear in our heads, then we'll see why Babylon has to fall. I want to show you three things about this vision just from that verse. Three points from that verse, and then we'll deal with all the rest, okay? But don't worry, it's going to be fun. Here's the first thing. It is a vision for this earth. Right? Habakkuk is told the earth 
will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. That is, this planet on which we are living, there is a future for this planet. I think we're very weak on this. We've got to get clear on this. We've got to keep understanding this. The future is not some other thing out there. It's not, oh, well, when we die, we'll all go to heaven. The future is earth. That's, at least that's what God says to Habakkuk. The ultimate end of all things is this earth being filled with the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So here's a cool thing, right? Habakkuk lived on this earth just like we do. We are sort of connected by our earthiness. And if you live on this earth, you should be really interested in what Habakkuk's got to say. He's talking about the earth that we love, the planet that we love, the planet that supports us, this planet. It's a vision for the earth. Now, I think that's quite a shock to us. God's great plan is absolutely committed to this planet that he's made. That's why Jesus, when he was preaching to a crowd, probably a bigger crowd than this, but let's not be picky. Uh, Jesus was preaching his great sermon on the mount, and he said, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. It's the earth that God is promising. God is promising you the earth. That's his manifesto. I've got a future for this planet, God says. I'm committed to this planet. That's why at the very end of the Bible, we're told there will be a new heavens and a new earth. That is, this earth will be renewed and remade and reformed and transformed and made new, but it's still this earth. The earth. It's a vision for the earth. Secondly, and this is, I need to, I'm going to have to explain this one. Uh, it's a vision for the earth. Secondly, it's a vision of Christ. Okay, you may think, what are you talking about? Well, have a look at it with me. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. That's a kind of a bit of a bible phrase, isn't it? The knowledge of the glory of the Lord. What does that mean? What is the knowledge of the glory of the Lord? Well, presumably, as things stand at the moment, God is saying the earth is not full of the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. The earth is full of something else. The earth currently is full of humanity trying to grab glory for ourselves. But currently, the earth is full of the knowledge of the glory of humanity. We're trying to build towers. We're trying to make a name. We're trying to establish things. We're trying to get rich. It's all about the, the knowledge of the glory of humanity. But God has set a day when the glory of humanity will be pulled down and his glory will stand. But what does it mean? What does that really mean? Okay, can you keep your fingers in Habakkuk because you'll never find it again otherwise. And go to cha- uh, 2 Corinthians. Come to 2 Corinthians. Let's have a quick little wander to there. Okay, here you go. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It's page 1161. 1161. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Stick with this. This will help us to understand what, what Habakkuk was seeing. What Habakkuk was being told by God. Let's go from verse 5, shall we? Yes. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 5. For what we preach is not ourselves, 
but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory. Okay, well, what is the light of the knowledge of God's glory? It's displayed in the face of Christ. Where do you see the knowledge of the glory of God? You see it in Jesus. It's what shines out from the person of Jesus. If you want to know the knowledge of the glory of God, you need to get to know Christ. You need to see his face. Jesus comes to put on display the very glory of God. And it was like all over the place. Glory, okay? Glory is like uh, uh, fireworks. It's it's God putting himself in the space. It's God. Look, Look. So in creation, there's boom, there's a firework of God's glory. Look at God's glory. And then you get little moments of fireworks through the Bible, and then suddenly Jesus comes, and it's like a full-on firework display of God's glory just bursting out all over the place. As Jesus heals the sick, boom, as he, feel, as he feeds the hungry, as he walks on water, as he raises the dead, as he opens the eyes of the blind. Glory, glory, glory on display. All over the place, you see God's beautiful glory until eventually Jesus is taken and nails are driven through his hands and his feet and the staggering reality is that as Jesus dies the glory of God is put on display as he shows his love for this world that is turned against him Jesus is crucified and the glory of God is put on display the knowledge of the glory of God is only seen in the face of Christ it's where you see it And therefore, today we get a glimpse of his glory, but a day is coming when the earth will be full of a knowledge of his glory. Where we will see him face to face, where we will gaze fully on his glory. And not just that we'll know about it, this is a relational knowledge. We will know him face to face with the glory of Jesus. Don't you long for that? That's better than a meteor. That's better than anything any politician is going to say. This is God's plan. That on this planet earth, Christ's glory will shine. That's his plan. Third thing about this uh, vision. It's about the planet earth. It's about Christ. And thirdly, it's a complete vision. There's a completeness in this. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Let's think about that. How much does the waters cover the sea? Imagine I said to you, I'm going to take you to a place. Uh, I'm going to take you to a bit of sea, but there's no water there. There's no water reaching that bit. You get the point. Waters covering the sea is absolute. The waters cover the sea completely. And here is the point. Earth will be completely full of the glory of God. There will not be one nook or cranny or crevice where the glory of Christ is not known. There will be not one people group, not one language, not one place, not one country, not one president, not one servant, not one person of any type who will not see the glory of God in the face of Christ everywhere. What a day. There'll be no more darkness. 
There'll be no more night. There'll be no more sorrow or pain. There'll be no humanity trying to establish glory for ourselves because we'll all fall down before the glory of Christ and worship him. Come on, that's a vision, right? That is God's vision. That is what is contained in the words of verse 14. Habakkuk, wait. It's worth waiting for. So that's the great vision. But now I need to show you that in order for that vision to be established, Babylon has to fall. Babylon has to fall. And as you read, as I read, and you followed uh, Habakkuk 2, you probably noticed a word that was repeated quite a few times. Woe. Woe. It's a word that, I mean, it just sounds ominous, doesn't it? If someone came up to you and went, whoa, you'd feel like, (laughs) perhaps. And uh, it's a word that has an ominous feel to it. It's a word that kind of hangs over people. But I want you to notice this. Actually, for Habakkuk, this would have sounded sweet. Now, this is going to sound weird to us. We've got to try and understand. Habakkuk is facing the horror and the evil of the Babylonian empire who are coming against God's people. And the message to Habakkuk is not, Habakkuk, woe to you. Do you notice it's woe to him, woe to him, woe to him, woe to him. Woe. And the message is that Babylon is going to fall. And for Habakkuk, that's good news. That's good news. In fact, it's strange, isn't it? Verse 6, there's this language of taunting with ridicule and scorn. I was trying to think of a way of explaining this. And and I guess there's that... Let Let me try this. It's not perfect, but it's the best I could manage. Imagine you see someone driving at 90 miles an hour down a country lane... That was, that's mine. And, uh, and he's, he's driving down. That was an Ed Sheeran reference. doesn't matter. It, it amused me momentarily. Uh, imagine you see someone driving very, very fast down a lane. And they're just having a great old time. And they're, they're knocking things over and hitting cows. And, you know, just kind of like driving along. And they're completely carefree. They don't care. But you know that there's a camera, a, a speed camera, as they drove by. And there's just that sense of woe to you. It's as if the speed camera sort of taunts them. and says, you think you've got away with it. But you won't. You've been seen. I've got your number. And judgment's coming. Woe to you. And that seems to almost be the feel here. Woe to you, Babylon. You think you're getting away with it. You think you can just live how you want. You think you can just do it, but you won't get away with it. In fact, when I was explaining, when I was talking to my kids about this earlier, one of them said, oh, so it's like, you won't get away with it. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I'm going to credit that to you, not to me, because that's a bad joke. But helps you to remember it, right? Woe means you won't get away. You won't. And no matter how much you might think you are, 
Babylon will not get away with it. And let's just see, okay? Five woes in this chapter. Let me just quickly show you what, what Babylon are like. I want to show you the, the evil of this nation and to show you why Babylon has to fall before God's great vision is established of his glory, the, the knowledge of Christ fills the whole earth. First up, the first woe, we're told that they're plunderers. Do you see it? They pile up stolen goods. They make themselves wealthy by extortion. They just plunder everything. They go around gathering up as much as they can. They don't care about other people. They just plunder. The second woe in verse 9, they're nest feathers. They're nest feathers. So, um, woe to him who builds his house by unjust gain, setting his nest on high to escape the clutches of ruin. They just want to get themselves a nice place. And they make it feel comfortable. And they say, well, we're secure. Look at us in our little palace where no one can touch us. You see? And yet it's unjust. Then the third one, um, they're empire builders. And so you go from the stuff that they're gathering to the houses that they build to the empires that they build. You see how it grows? Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and establishes a town by injustice. They just want to build an empire for themselves. They want to build cities. Fourthly, Woe to him who gives drunk drink to his neighbours, pouring it from the wineskin till they are drunk, so he can gaze on their naked bodies. That's a that's a horrible picture, isn't it? As they abuse the weak, as they shame people, they're humiliators. They want to humiliate people. They want to build their own glory by humiliating others and laughing at them. And then the last woe shows us that they are God creators. They build their own gods. They just decide how they're going to worship. They make it for themselves. They carve their own thing. The one who trusts in it trusts his own creation. He makes idols that cannot speak. He's saying to wood and to stone, come alive. They're trying to make their own gods. They want to worship their own way. Here is this Babylon, a nation of plunderers, a nation of nest featherers, empire builders, humiliators, and God creators. You see it? That's a pretty ugly thing. But actually, woe to Babylon. Because what Habakkuk is told is that all of those things will be turned around. They are going to be turned around. What they have done is going to come back to them. And I want you to see that that is good news. Because Babylon is busy trying to fill the earth with the knowledge of its own glory. And if God is going to fill the earth with the knowledge of his glory, then Babylon has to fall first. It is good news that God will destroy Babylon. And so the, the justice of this is so poetic in many ways. There is a sense of these people get what is coming to them. The plunderers are plundered. Verse 7, will not your creditors suddenly arise? Will they not wake up and make you tremble? Then you will become their prey. You've plundered many nations, they're going to plunder you. This is justice, right? This is God executing right justice on Babylon. 
The nest featherers who've built their houses and it's unjust and it's not fair and they've, but they've built their little palace and they feel so secure. But look at verse 11. The stones of the walls will cry out and the beams of the woodwork will echo. Isn't that so powerful? They sit there thinking, oh, we got away with it. We got away with it. And all around them, the woodwork is going, he's guilty. He's guilty. He deserves punishment. You can't escape. You can't escape however much you think you can. Woe to you. Woe to you who think that you've got away with it. No one gets away with it. Those who want to build empires, it's just fuel for the fire. The nations exhaust themselves for nothing. Trying to build glory, build glory, human glory, human glory. Yes, yes, yes. And then suddenly it's all just destroyed. Look at verse 15. Look how graphic this is. Those who have humiliated others, those who have abused others and exposed others. Verse 16, you will be filled with shame instead of glory. Now it's your turn. Don't you feel that? Now it's your turn. Babylon, it's your turn. You thought you got away with it, but now it's you. Drink and let your nakedness be exposed. The cup from the Lord's right hand is coming round to you, and disgrace will cover your glory. These are sobering words. This is not some trivial, light, happy-go-lucky message that Habakkuk is being shown. And yet he's being shown what must happen if the knowledge of the glory of the Lord is to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And then the lifeless idols, the God creators, will be silenced before God. Just the sheer folly, the sheer madness of humanity that we try and build a God and we carve it out of stone and we put it there and we say, oh, yes, little God, wake up, wake up, wake up. It's dumb idol. It can't speak. But God is in his holy temple. You'd be silent before him. Do you see how it turns? Here is God's justice. And Babylon falling is what is necessary for God's glory to fill the earth. Now, you may say, John T., you know, this is very interesting and stuff, but Babylon was a long, long time ago. You know, Babylon fell, right? The nation of Babylon is no more. There are no more Babylonians. They've all been Babylonian. <laughs> no longer. That, that worked better in my head. So, okay, I've got some news for you. Babylon hasn't fallen. Babylon hasn't fallen. Go to Revelation chapter 18 and see what this has got to do with us. I want you to see this, okay? We love Revelation 21 and 22, where we get the great picture of the new heavens and the new earth, where there'll be no more crying or mourning or pain, and we love it, and God makes everything new, and now the dwelling of God is with man, and he's living on earth. It's just so wonderful and glorious. This is just so fantastic. You know what happens before the glory of God fills the earth? You know what has to happen first? Babylon has to fall. That's what happens in chapter 18. Let's look at it with me. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had great authority. 
And the earth was illuminated by his splendor. With a mighty voice he shouted, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She's become a dwelling for demons and a haunt for every impure spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable animal. For all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The kings of the earth commit adultery with her. And the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. Go over to verse uh, 10. Terrified at her torment, they will stand far off and cry, Woe, woe to you, great city, you mighty city of Babylon. In one hour your doom has come. And what the Bible does with Babylon, try and stick with this, I know this is quite complicated, but what the Bible does with the nation of Babylon is say that the nation of Babylon is a picture of our whole world. Our whole world is Babylon. A world that plunders the weak. A world that, a world that loves to feather our nests and build empires. A world that loves to abuse the weak and humiliate them. A world that loves to create our own gods. We live in Babylon. London is Babylon, right? This world is a world that has rejected God and turned away from him. And therefore, Babylon must fall. But you know what the scary thing is? That I live in Babylon. I think I, I, I read about Babylon and it I see reflections in my own heart. Okay, this is where we need to finish. And uh, there's, there's loads of stuff this afternoon, but this is where we need to finish. I, I, I want to take one picture, and if you've been around at Globe Church for long, you'll know what I'm going to say next, probably. There's one picture in Habakkuk 2, which explains how it is that we can escape and not be part of Babylon and actually be part of God's new creation, his vision for a new earth. In Habakkuk 2, Babylon is told, the cup is coming round to you. Babylon, you are going to drink the cup of God's anger. But there's one who's drunk it on our, heart, on our behalf, right? The cup of God's anger which I, des- I deserve to drink it. On the night before Jesus died, he said, Father, if there's any way, take this cup away from me. But not what I will, but what you will. And at the cross, when Jesus died, he drank the cup that I deserve. He drank the cup of God's Anger that should be being passed around to me. Jesus drank it in my place. So that today, if we will live by faith, if we will wait upon him, we will not be destroyed in Babylon, but we will instead have a place in his new future. That's why in Revelation 18, it says this. This is why I want you to hear this call. I want you to hear this call as clearly as you can. Come out of her, my people. Come out of her, so that you will not share in her sins. Do not be conned by Babylon. Do not be seduced by Babylon. All that glitters is not gold. It's a fake. It's not real. It won't last. And it will lead to absolute ruin. Come out of Babylon. Don't live for the things that 
Babylon lives for. Don't be seduced by all the stuff that London has on offer. Come out, come out and live for Jesus. Trust in this king. Look forward to the day when the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The day when we see Jesus face to face and our precious saviour and we fall before him and together we say, you drank the cup for us. You drank the cup for us. Come out of her, my people. Do not share in her sins. And there may be some of us this afternoon and Babylon looks really attractive to us. We're drawn to it. We're drawn to what is on offer. We're drawn to the sparkly, nest, feathery, seductive power of Babylon. You need to learn to wait. God says wait. Don't be seduced. Come out of her. And instead look forward to this glorious future we're going to pray together and um, I hope you can see this afternoon why the fall of Babylon is good news but let me tell you this the fall of Babylon is not oh great let's let's pray that all those nasty people would would uh, be punished the fall of Babylon should drive us out to tell people we want to rescue people we want to see people come out of Babylon Come to Jesus. Be part of this new kingdom. This is not some vindictive, no, 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 you're all going to... This is a passionate plea to the world to come to Jesus. Babylon will fall. Jesus' kingdom will last. It just depends which kingdom you belong to. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, um, we confess that often Babylon looks really strong. And the plundering and the empire building and the nest feathering and the humiliation that we see on social media all the time. Just the exposing of wickedness and just the... Father, we see this stuff and it looks strong and we're tempted to be seduced by that or to despair and think, what's the point? We pray that like Habakkuk, we would learn to wait. To wait because you have made this absolute promise. That this earth, this very planet on which we sit, will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Man, we're looking forward to that day. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. And in the meantime, please help us to live in Babylon. Help us to live here faithfully. Help us to snatch others from the fire. Help us to call others to come to Jesus. Please, please help us, Father, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing together.